Our story begins on November 21st, 1963. Now, on this day of November 21st, 1963, President John F. Kennedy, along with his wife, Jacqueline Kennedy, and the vice president, who was Johnson, had taken a two-day, five-city trip around Texas. Now, the point of this trip was to fundraise, but it was also intended to bring together a divided Democratic Party at the time, and in a state that was really, really vital to Kennedy's chances of winning the next, the re-election that would come in the next year, 1964. At his first two cities, which were San Antonio and Houston, as well as his third city, which was Fort Worth, the president was welcomed with hospitality and warmth. Now, on the night of November 21st, John F. Kennedy, as well as his entire presidential party, would sleep and spend the night in Fort Worth. Then, the next morning, after President John F. Kennedy made a speech in front of a hotel in the parking lot of the hotel, um, he and his party made a short flight out of Fort Worth to Dallas. The president was supposed to stop in Dallas for his fourth stop, and then his final stop was going to be Austin. Now, at Dallas's Love Field Airport, once the president landed, he and his first lady, Jacqueline, they shook hands with a bunch of welcoming people and warm people, a crowd that really, really was excited to have him there. After the president and the first lady greeted the crowd, they boarded in the back seat of an open convertible. Now, in this open convertible, they would ride with the governor of Texas. He was John Connolly, and they would also ride with his wife. Now, the goal of getting into this open convertible was to ride to the president's next stop on his itinerary, which was the trademark. And at the trademark, the president was going to deliver another speech. Now, at this, uh, at this route to the trademark, almost 200, well, an estimated 200,000 people had lined up. And the stretch between the airport and the trademark was about 16 kilometers. So there were a lot of people. Now, I'm going to describe what happened with one bullet. This bullet would pierce the base of the neck of John F. Kennedy. Then it would leave through his throat, so it would go through his entire throat. And then it was passed through the governor, the governor colony's shoulder and wrist, and then it would ultimately hit his thigh. After that, another bullet struck Kennedy. This time, the bullet went through the back of his head. So, the motorcade rushed immediately to a nearby hospital. This hospital was called Parkland Memorial Hospital, and they reached it pretty quickly. 
Unfortunately, the doctor's efforts to try to revive Kennedy or do anything to save Kennedy failed. Kennedy was declared dead officially at 1 o'clock p.m. This was about half an hour after the first shots rang out. Connolly, however, the governor, had survived despite his wounds. Now, soon after the death of John F. Kennedy, the country and the world, as a matter of fact, would be shocked. Now, there was one question on everyone's mind. Who did this? So people immediately got to the crime scene and tried to figure out what happened. So first, they found bullet casings near a window on the sixth floor of that building I was talking about that Kennedy passed immediately and then uh, was shot right after that. That was the Texas School Book Dispository Building. And that was the building overlooking the plaza. Now, they found bullet casings and they found a rifle somewhere else on the sixth floor. Now, the building told the investigators that two employees were missing. One of them was a man. This man had walked outside to watch the motorcade, motorcade that was passing by. And he was basically stopped by the police from re-entering the building. And the other one, the other one was a man named Oswald. And he had been working there for about one month. Now, about a half an hour before the whole shooting craziness happened, at noon, Oswald had been seen on the sixth floor of Now, in addition to being seen on the sixth floor about a half an hour before the shooting, Oswald had also met and or been encountered uh, in this building by the superintendent and by a policeman just before the shooting unfolded at 12.30 p.m. that day. Now, by this time, law enforcement starts to compile a description of Oswald. And in the meantime, Oswald was making his way to a boarding house where he had been staying. Fifteen minutes after he left the boarding house, he was met by a Dallas policeman by the name of J.D. Tippett. Now, J.D. Tippett thought that Oswald kind of matched the description that the police had made. But before J.D. Tippett could arrest Oswald or take him into custody or do anything like that, Oswald shot and killed J.D. Tippett with a .38 revolver. Now, this was in the presence of a number of witnesses. Later on, Oswald was seen entering the Texas theater. And at 1.50 p.m., this is one hour and 20 minutes after John F. Kennedy, well, about one hour and 20 minutes after John F. Kennedy was shot, 
Oswald was apprehended by the police. Now, do you remember Governor Johnson? Well, Governor Johnson, he feared that this assassination of the president was part of a much broader effort by a much broader force. For example, he thought it was some kind of broader effort by the Soviets or some kind of other enemies of the United States to destabilize and diminish the American government and America as a whole. So he decided to seek safety and left Dallas by plane. Now, at 2.38 p.m. that day, before takeoff, and with Kennedy's corpse on board the plane, Governor Johnson took the oath of office on Air Force One. The wife of John F. Kennedy, Jacqueline Kennedy, who was still wearing her clothes that were stained with blood, stood at his side. Now, let's talk about Oswald. Oswald would be questioned by the press and the media and law enforcement. And in both instances, Oswald would just continue to protest that he was innocent. Now, Oswald kept insisting that he wanted to be represented by John Opt. And John Opt was the staff attorney of the Communist USA Party. And he was very infamously known to defend communists. Now, this is very interesting. Unfortunately, or fortunately, Oswald was never able to get into contact with John Opt. Now, for two days and two nights, Oswald was held. And then he was transferred from the Dallas City Halls, which was the headquarters for the jail of the Dallas Police Department, to the actual county jail. This was on the morning of November 24th. Now remember, the assassination happened on November 22nd. Now, on that same day of November 24th, Jack Ruby. Now, Jack Ruby was very familiar to people around the police station, and the police would usually visit his club for some sketchy things. Well, Jack Ruby was actually able to enter the basement parking parking garage of the city hall, and there he was able to shoot Oswald with a handgun as the cameras looked. Now, Ruby would later say that he shot Oswald to spare Jacqueline Kennedy from having to testify at the trial of Oswald. Now, Oswald was taken to the Parkland Memorial Hospital. This is where Kennedy, and now him too, would die. Now, Ruby would be found guilty of murder. This would be on March 14, 1964, and Ruby would face death. However, on October or in October of 1966, 
a Texas appeals court stopped this conviction. However, before this, or before a new trial could be held, Ruby actually died on January 3rd of 1967. Now, among Americans, there was suspicion that a larger conspiracy was at play here, and that the assassination of John F. Kennedy was actually a communist plot. Now, Governor Johnson was actually himself convinced that a conspiracy was at play here and was what caused the assassination of JFK. But he didn't want the country to be plunged into action against the Soviet Union or Cuba or anything like that. To create closure, Governor Johnson created on November 29, 1963, the President's Commission on the Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Now, this was more widely and better known as the Warren Commission. And that was named after its chairman, who was the Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren. Now, Earl Warren was actually charged or asked to evaluate and report the facts on the assassination of Oswald. Now, after 10 whole months of investigation, the commission drawing on a very, very, very long FBI report, eyewitnesses, testimonies, the autopsy, physical evidence, analysis of people's videos of the assassination, and so many other things, found that and concluded that Oswald had acted alone. Now, there had been an eight 188-page Warren report, which said that Oswald, who had been a very skilled person, a skilled marksman, because he was a Marine, had shot three times. Now, his first shot had gone through Kennedy's neck, and it had exited through his throat, and then it had hit Connolly. And then the next one had hit Kennedy in the back of his head. This would be the shot that would be fatal. And he would fire another shot, and that shot would be the miss shot. Now, things were getting interesting. Because this whole conclusion about the first shot, which they called the single bullet theory, people very much doubted it. Because how could this single bullet make all these weird movement, movements going through the neck and then the hand and then hitting the leg? It just didn't seem right to them. It, they called it the magic bullet. So what did they call, well, what did they think instead? Well, many of them disagreed with the findings, first of all, like I said. And instead, they argued that there had been a second shooter. Now, what they said is that the second shooter was on the knoll in this Dealey Plaza that the motorcade had been coming to. 
and they were witnesses who thought that they had heard shots coming from the railroad yard that was beyond the knoll. The commission, however, told them that there had been no conspiracy involving Oswald or Ruby. Now, there were a number of people who began to question the findings of the Warren Commission, and they began to propose their own conspiracy theories as to what happened. A lot of these conspiracy theories involved Cuba. One theory said that the Cuban government actually orchestrated the assassination of JFK, and this conspiracy theory became very popular after the Senate Select Committee to Study Governmental Operations with Respect to Intelligence Activities, it's a long one, revealed that the CIA had actually made many different attempts to kill Fidel Castro, who was the Cuban leader. Now, Fidel Castro denied the allegations that were coming his way. He argued that taking such an action would have been too risky because the United States could have very well fought back and things would not have been good to him. Now, there's something interesting because this conspiracy theory very much focuses on a trip. Now, this was a trip that Oswald made in late September of 1963. He went to Mexico City, and he remained in Mexico City until early October. And in Mexico City, he made many attempts to contact the Cuban and the Soviet consulates. Now, at the other side of these whole Cuban political conspiracies were theories that were trying to link the assassination of John F. Kennedy to anti-Castro groups who were very, very angry at Kennedy for his decision to take out the U.S. military and not have the U.S. military support the Bay of Pigs invasion in Cuba. One conspiracy said that Johnson was actually the person who orchestrated the killing of Kennedy because Johnson wanted to clear the path and clear the road so he himself could become president. Now, backing for this theory or evidence from this theory was supposedly provided by a statement by Watergate conspirator and former CIA agent E. Howard Hunt Jr. E. Howard Hunt Jr. said that Johnson had ordered certain CIA agents to assassinate Kennedy. So, do you remember the conspiracy theory which we talked about earlier in this episode about there being a second shooter? Well, let's talk about that some more. So, just for a little bit of context, The Zapruder film is a color motion picture sequence shot by a man named Abraham Zapruder. And he was taking a video of President John F. Kennedy's motorcade. And he actually happened to, this was completely unexpectedly, 
pick up video of the president's assassination. So actually, still frames from that film had been published in November 1963 in Life, but the footage actually didn't really receive that wide of a viewing or a lot of people didn't know about this footage until 1975. That's when it was really publicized by the Goodnight America television show. Now, when they showed this film, it showed that when Kennedy was shot, his head jerked backwards. Now, that could imply that Kennedy had been shot from the front. And if Kennedy was shot from the front, that only implies itself that that shot had not come from Oswald. It had come from a seemingly second shooter that had been on that knoll, that grassy knoll. As soon as people saw this film, they went absolutely crazy. And there was a lot of uproar and people really started to conclude that the CIA was withholding information from the Warren Commission and they were not telling the truth, basically. People's kind of mistrust led to the establishment of the House Select Committee on Assassinations, also known as the HSCA, which would investigate the assassination of Kennedy. So when the HC or the HSCA released their findings, they were largely in line and kind of the same thing as the Warren Commission's findings. And what I mean by that is that it both also the HSCA's conclusion was that a shot by Oswald had killed the president and that a single bullet had hit Kennedy and Connolly. So there wasn't any kind of magic bullet. There, they concluded that the bullet had hit both Kennedy and uh, Connolly. It wasn't a magic bullet. It wasn't impossible. It had somehow hit them both. But it would make a very, very interesting revelation. And that was an audio recording that was made from a Dallas motorcycle policeman's microphone that apparently provided evidence of four shots being made. So three of them were Oswald's, which means there was another shot made by another shooter. Now, that fourth shot, which was determined to be a miss shot, was apparently thought to have come from that knoll that people were talking about. Now, as a result of this evidence, the HSCA concluded that there were two shooters and that the assassination was actually the product or actually likely because of a conspiracy like people had been saying. 
Now, the committee also said that the U.S. security of intelligence agencies, including the CIA, the government of Cuba, the Soviet Union, a lot of the conspiracies that people had been talking about, they concluded that none of them had been involved. However, interestingly, they didn't kind of say that hey, there's a definite no that this wasn't any kind of anti-Castro group or any kind of organized crime, but they couldn't prove that it was. But after they released this report, the reliability of that audio recording actually came under very, very, very broad criticism. And many people began to question if there really was a conspiracy at play here. Now, in 1991, the movie JFK was released, and this triggered even more questioning and even more speculation. In response to all this speculation, the Congress responded, with the passage of President JFK's Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992, and they also created the Assassinations Records Review Board. The members of this board were actually not sworn in until three years later in 1994. And from 1994 all the way until 1998, this board reviewed and they really investigated and they released millions of pages of previously secret documents that came from the Warren Commission, the HSCA, the FBI, the CIA, and other government organizations, and the board also conducted some new interviews. Now, the act I was talking about, the President JFK Assassinations Records Collection Act of 1992, this required that the U.S. National Archives and Records Administration, also known as NARA, NARA, Uh, kind of release all of the different documents and related documents within a 25-year time span. Now, the documents they were talking about actually recently got released within the last couple of years, but historians are divided between whether these documents would provide any kind of conclusive evidence that would support any of the conspiracy theories. Now, you're probably wondering, what are even in these documents? Well, in a lot of the documents, well, I'll give you some examples of what are in the documents. So, some of the documents are detailed accounts of Oswald's trip to Mexico City and memos from different intelligence people, including one in which FBI Director J. Edward Edgar Hoover bemoans the Dallas Police Department's failure to listen to the FBI warnings for the need to protect Oswald during his transfer from that city hall to the Dallas Police Jail. Now, some more documents talk about the Soviet government's response 
to the assassination and the uh, KJB's conviction that Johnson, Governor Johnson, was involved. Now, the release of the documents with a lot of classified information was to kind of break down the government's secrecy and to ease the public's uh, speculation about what happened and to really bring closure about this assassination. However, decades and decades after this assassination, people still speculate about what exactly happened to Kennedy on that day.